Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. is a dark day. No, no, don't bring the people down. All right, this is a rough episode, but we are going to do our best to buoy ourselves and you Oof. up towards the surface. Hello! Start, there it is. And welcome to Buffering the Vampire Slayer, a podcast where we are watching and discussing every episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, even the ones that make us want to leap off a bridge. I am Jenny Owen Youngs. And I am Kristen Russo. And this week, despite not wanting to talk about it, we will be discussing season two, episode 17, Passion. Stay tuned at the end of this podcast every week for an original song written by us recapping the Buffy episode we are discussing. Passion was written by Ty King, you terrible person. <laughs> And directed by Michael Gershman, who wants you to feel a lot of pain. It originally aired on February 24th, 1998. This is the one where Angel steps up his torment of Buffy and her friends as Jenny searches for a way to restore his soul. Is that how you would describe this one, Jenny? This is the one where Jenny Callender bites it. That's how I would describe yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, that's what we all know this episode to be. A painful, painful episode. And, and you know, to start us off with an, a larger thought, I think that the pain in this episode for me is less about losing Jenny and more about Giles losing Jenny. Like it's, you know what I mean? It's less about like me, Kristen, being like, I can't believe I've lost this character, this person, mm -hmm. and more about me like mourning through Giles and like yeah. traveling through Giles. Yeah, I mean, as much as it uh, is a terrible, terrible wounding traumatizing experience to watch willow be in pain who knew who could have predicted oh, giles that seeing in giles in terrible pain would be uh, as effective right and and we'll and get affecting. and we'll get to all of this but let's why don't we start with a nice uh soulless vampire narrating us mm, just a little angel vo into the episode passion it lies <laughs> in all of us it will stir open its jaws and howl says Angel. Yeah, he really does say that. He also says, passion rules us all and we obey. What other choice do we have? Yeah. By the time he says that, so we, we see him sort of like following Buffy from a distance, like hanging out at the bronze, uh, drinking from the body of a living person as right. Buffy, Xander, and Willow, and Cordelia? Yeah, leave yeah. the bronze. Yeah, yeah, they're all for. They're all for there because I made a note specifically that like this scene was so powerfully placed in in the way of like showing us that she's healing and showing us that she's getting back to herself. Yeah, and that of course she's <laughs> not. <laughs> right, that's right. what you thought. So I interrupted you. Mid oh, that's okay. That's okay. So then uh, Buffy goes home and gets ready for bed. Turns out the lights, and we see Angel in his optimal preferred. He knows where to stand. <laughs> 
directly behind the blinds. He's like, did somebody say blinds? <laughs> He's just <laughs> peeking through those mini blinds. So, and and this is creepy as fuck. This, it's this creepy whole... that he's watching and watching and watching, but then once he gets inside and is like touching her touching hair. Touching her face, which, which this is like important too, because we know Buffy is the slayer. So we know that she has heightened senses. We know that she's a badass. We know that she's really not going to be the person to sleep through somebody in her bed with her, right? But I think that this is so deliberate. This, this whole episode, I think, is brilliant. I think, who did you say wrote this episode? Uh, Ty King. Ty King, whoever you are, I just, like, in the first 10 minutes, I was like, who wrote this? The the lines, the dialogue is brilliant. Yeah. And the, the whole arc of it, it's like, Buffy doesn't feel Angel in bed with her, which I think is a direct line to how powerful Angel is, right? How powerful he is in his strength, but also in his, like, what would you even call it? I'm not sure. Light as a feather, stiff as a board. Right. You know well, what I mean? Like he's... Mythologically speaking, like if you look at vampire lore, there's a lot of like floating and levitating and walking soundlessly right. and gliding through the night. And I think that, you know, some of that is being played on here. Yeah. It's just, and, and then of course, he draws her like one of his French girls. Uh. <laughs> this is a, an interesting <laughs> character trait. We'll yeah. see some... We'll see some real fun angel character traits as the series goes on. And I think charcoal drawing charcoal is drawing up there. In I, the dark. Well, I guess he probably well, has he, night yeah, vision. Yeah, he has like vampire vision. So, but yeah, he's he's touching her face. He's sketching her, leaving her this note on her pillow. Right. But like as he's as he gets to this last line, you know, passion rules us all and we obey. What other choice do we have? He has like touched her hair and now he's just sitting on her bed staring at her. Right. So like how twisted are we in this space, it's like, it, it, how else can you interpret that other than, like, he is sort of, like, beholden to yeah a passion that, like, we can't understand. And it's, but right. it's sort of human. It's like, we can, we can vaguely understand it as a human concept, but, like, it's passing through so many filters that are so far away from our experience. No, absolutely. I mean, I think that's the whole reason. I mean, I make fun of this sort of overarching narrator. It is goofy, role, but it's also goofy, very effective. But it is because what because what he's illustrating, what the words are illustrating to us, I think are directly meant to to underline what you're talking about, Jenny, which is that like Angel is orbiting through passion, the same as Buffy and Giles and Jenny and all of us right. orbit through passion, that he is not exempt from this at all. And this is why Spike is so annoyed with him in this episode, because he's like, man, you're telling me you were in fucking bed with this girl? You were caressing her? You drew her? You drew her in charcoal? <laughs> yeah. This is not what we're about. We're supposed, you're supposed to be, kill the Slayer is the task. And Angel is... He's fa- he's fallen off. He's uh-huh. he's he's going down another Drusilla path, right? I mean, that's that's we we hear that a lot of times in this episode too. Right. Um, that he just can't let it go, and he has to not just kill her; he has to destroy her, the worst kind of kill, right? The kind mm. that taunts her, tempts her, take her apart piece at a time. Absolutely, and and you know, I'm just I'm a little annoyed with how she's advised in the face of this right at the start of the episode. Yo. Right? It's like... I it doesn't make any sense. No. I come to school. I tell you, hey, the biggest bad we've faced up until now, I think, I think that Angel uh-huh. is a bigger bad than the master. From, uh, in many ways, right? Yes. I mean, I don't know. Maybe talk amongst yourselves. I mean, he's not as ancient and powerful, but he's also not trapped in a wibble-wobble bubble, bubble, and he also has free access to Buffy's bedroom. Right, right. And so you show up, you tell your watcher, hey, man, this guy that we're all terrified, he was in 
my room. He was in my room, in my bed with me. While I was sleeping for long enough to draw me. For long enough to draw me. And then Buffy, you know, very reasonably goes down this path of like, hey, Angel told me that the way he does this is he goes after family first. My mom is in danger. And the advice she's getting from is like, don't let him get in your head. Like, what? What about don't let him get in your bed, Giles? (laughs) (laughs) Come on, man. Uh, So I I was just a little frustrated. But I understand the reasoning. Like, I understand, yeah. Yes, they're right. I mean, Angel isn't killing her, and Cordelia has oh my great moment. She's on Spike's page. Why doesn't he just gruesomely murder you? Right, right. right. And so Giles, Cordelia, Willow, they're all having this conversation with Buffy and and pointing out, yes, that Angel, it's obvious that Angel doesn't want to just kill her because he hasn't. So that's where Giles is coming from, I think. But I just feel like, come on, guys. I mean, you know, probably by the end of this episode, everything has changed for how Giles Mm -hmm. would advise Mm -hmm. because perhaps none of them really understood what was possible in such a short amount of time for Angel. Maybe they thought that he was spinning a longer yarn here. I don't know. But I just was like... It just doesn't make a lot of sense. It didn't make a ton of sense. What does make sense is Willow being the top pick to sub for Jenny Calendar when she says she's going to be late tomorrow morning. Oh my gosh. Wait, we are not there yet. What? Oh, what did I miss? First of all, you missed one of my favorite scenes to date, which is in the library when Jonathan walks in. So this scene, right? We're in the library. We've talked about this on the show before. Where is everybody in the library. Nobody uses the Sunnydale library. It's just tumbleweeds and scoobies. And we get this beautiful scene of the show poking fun at itself, uh, really mm-hmm. getting very meta and saying like, hey, we know. Okay, we know. <laughs> and so in walks Jonathan, who, who we call Jonathan. He still doesn't have a name. I saw in the credits. It just said student. Uh, huh. Jonathan still, at least in the credits of this episode, was not given a name. He walks in with his buddy. They just need a book on Stalin. The, the, everybody flips out. Xander the most. Xander's oh my like, God. what in the world are you? Is this a bar? Barnes and Noble. And Giles <laughs> has to talk Xander down and be like, it's the school library, Xander. I know we forget. And Xander's like, since when? Since rightly when? so. Right, rightly so, Xander. If and possession then, is nine-tenths of the law, students coming to check books out must be nine-tenths of a space being the library, right? right? Yes, agree. Agree. <gasps> is that some hell math? Ooh, Jenny, I think it is. Hell math. Thank you for that hell math, Jenny. The only other thing that I find hilarious in this scene mm-hmm. is the fact that they go up to get the book. First of all, Giles knows where the Stalin books are, so that's nice to know. Just he, off the top of his head. Yeah, he knows. He's ready to go. He's, he knows where a all real the, librarian, as Angel would call it, he knows where all the boogity boogity books are. Oh. And he also knows where the classroom books are. Boogity boogity. So <laughs> I wasn't going to get through the episode without calling out the boogity boogity. I'm glad you said it. Um. So... Then they go to find the Stalin books and everyone leaves, including the librarian. <laughs> and it, but it made me think to myself, hmm, nobody else works at the library. Like, no one. They were it's like, Giles. it's just Giles runs the show. So that means every time we see Giles not in the library, no one is in the library. Yeah. So I don't know how eh, Jonathan... Libraries basically just run themselves. And uh, nobody yeah. goes by anyway. I don't know. This was far before self-checkout, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so the thing that we didn't talk about um, when we were going on and on about Giles and being upset about Giles' response and Buffy being worried about Joyce is that there's a really important thing that happens here where, where uh, Buffy says, Giles, I want to tell... I, Maybe I should tell my mom. And Giles oh, is like, yeah. yo, no, 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 you can't do that. Right? Mm-hmm. Xander makes this hilarious joke. I thought it was hilarious. <laughs> yeah, it was really good. Where he's like, yeah, I mean, the more people you tell, the less cool it is for us yeah. to know, right? Um, but but this is, you know, this is an ongoing plot line. We've talked about it on the podcast before. 
Buffy is really feeling the pressure. She can't communicate anything to her mom, any part of what has happened. And and she's still being told by Giles, no, you got to keep her in the dark. You have to. So then we go to the computer lab. So then we go to the computer lab. And it is amazing to me, like, okay, there's not a, there's not a, a millisecond of dead space in this episode. No. And there's so many, like, valleys of sa- sorrow and so many, like, peaks of super hilarity. Like, Allison Hannigan, in so many spots, is so funny. Yeah. And this is one of them. Oh, and let's just take a moment. We don't have Kate this week, so I will bring up some of my favorite fashion moments as we go. Holy shit, Willow, in this scene. She's wearing a blue and yellow butterfly sweater. Her hair is braided, and she has a <laughs> smiley face emoji backpack, okay? It's, they weren't emojis at the time. It was just Proto emojis. Proto emoji backpack on Willow. She looks adorable adorable oh, she looks so cute and she's so excited because jenny calendar has asked her to fill in as a substitute she's excited and then she's immediately terrified right that her authority won't be recognized right <laughs> and that chaos will reign yes and that can't right that's my favorite part is when buffy gets there and she's like i'm sorry buffy i know i'm not supposed to talk to her but she's a teacher and she goes on and on and on and on as they walk out the but why it's important to respect teachers <laughs> right right otherwise buffy chaos reigns oh i love willow i love this moment Right, right. And then we get this this great thing between Giles and Jenny where he's like, mm, hello. Hey, this is incredible because once again, and we talked about this a little bit last week in Bewitched, Bothered, and Bewildered with the arc of like Xander and Cordelia and how we, in our memory, there was so many more episodes of them yeah. having a relationship. But really, it's just these powerful short scenes that make you feel everything that I feel like it takes regular television shows many episodes to get you to. It's amazing. So much accomplished in so little time. Right. We have, the, you know, Jenny and Giles really haven't spoken. There's this moment Jenny slips, but not really slips, and says that she's in love with Giles, that she wants things to be better. This moves Giles, and Giles says, you don't have to make it up to me, right? It's mm-hmm. Buffy. You've got to make it, yeah. like, I stand, I stand here with my faith tied to Buffy first, and so you have to make it up to her. But essentially, he's like, but I love you too. Right? I mean, he doesn't. Yeah. He doesn't say that, but we get it. The music cues, the whole thing. Like, yeah. We're there. I, I have a little crying, a crying smiley face. No, it's not a smiley face if it's crying, is it? I have a <laughs> crying sad face drawn in my notebook. Yeah. Also, I love how he's like, mmm, Angel has regained his sense of whimsy ever since he lost his soul. <laughs> I need a spell for disinvitation. And she's like, oh, let me just pick up the first book on my desk. The desk from which I teach computer class. Right. Here's my spell book. Here's my the spell book that just happens to have the spell you need. Yeah. Here's my dusty, ripped, leather-bound book that doesn't seem at all out of place on my <laughs> computer science desk. Listen, <laughs> she doesn't have to choose. She's a techno-pagan. That's true. Okay? She has a foot on either side Buffy, of the threshold. You are... Oh, my God. I just called you Buffy. What? I don't know what happened. Wait. My brain. Am I flattered? I think I'm flattered. (laughs) Jenny. Go on. You are correct. Thank you. You are welcome. Also, I just realized I missed a note. It's from before the credits. Do you mind? Please. I just wanted to make sure we all noticed that Buffy has a new duvet cover, a new... Yeah, new sheet set. A whole new sheet set. Yeah. Mm -hmm. She has a whole new... She went to JCPenney. Yeah. She got got new stuff. And actually, that ties into the next scene that we were headed towards anyway, which is that... Buffy and Joyce are having dinner together. Which is nice. Joyce is home from the art gallery at an early hour. For once. Perhaps there's a, perhaps we're turning over a new leaf Working mothers can have it all. Joyce, Joyce maybe purchased new linens for her daughter Uh as home. uh Dinner, they're having dinner together. It's It's all very very nice. nice. And, and Buffy is like, I mean, because she has to, but Buffy is opening up to Joyce a little bit, which I think Joyce's feeling. Yes. You know? Yes. Um, And saying as much as she can about the situation and like, 
don't invite him in. Right. Uh, we were seeing each other, but we're not. And he's right. like being a creep and following me around. Yeah. And Joyce asking all the right mom questions. Like, has he done anything to you? Mm-hmm. Buffy, of course, lying completely. No, of course it's not like that. As soon as she said that, I was just like imagining like a quick montage of all the time. But Angel <laughs> has like attacked her and thrown her and whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Joyce has this line to Buffy that th- this moment kind of happens between them a few times. She says, don't tell me. He's changed. He's different. Right. And she says it in this like mom knows and like it kind of like invalidates the experience of the kid, right? Like, oh, okay. Like I've lived through this 40 times already because I'm your mother and I'm older than you. So I know. And it's just extra heartbreaking here because Buffy can't explain. Yeah, because of how... Exactly, like how right she is. Right, and then and that's what this show does, though, right? Because even if Buffy had been dating a regular dude who was not a vampire, ha! and that dude was really nice to her, and then was a jerk to her, and her life wasn't at risk, even if that was what was happening at this dinner table, when you hear when your mom says to you like, "Don't tell me he's changed," it just makes you feel. So small and, like, you can't communicate how you're feeling or you're not being taken seriously. And Mm -hmm. so this show, like, compounds that by it being, you know, triply. Triply? Is that the the hell now? Sure, yes. Three times? Yes. It's three times as bad when your boyfriend was a vampire. Is a vampire. Um, (laughs) Yeah, that's definitely the formula. (laughs) But I just, I thought that this was a really interesting moment. And we see it again. You know, we see it later when they have the talk, which we'll get to. But Right, right, right. But But meanwhile, Buffy's on the phone with Willow. They're both in their pajamas. Willow's are fuzzy. Buffy's are silk. Favorite line alert. Willow says, men can be such jerks sometimes, dead or alive. (laughs) Thank you, Willow, for giving us our moment of what, Jenny? The patriarchy. (laughs) Indeed. Wow. So they're chatting about, like, Angel and, like, the horror and everything. And, oh, God. Oh, God. Willow's trying to, like, keep morale up. She's like, oh, you just got to, like, think positive. Yeah. And then she finds an envelope at the foot of her bed. And there's this great shot where the camera swings around through Through her fish tank, which is noticeably empty. Yes. And she pulls the fish, which have been skewered on a line of all the sick, you know, twisted. You got to give Angel a little bit of credit. He's very creative. It's pretty. Yeah. He was like, I'm going to put my charcoal down for a moment and skewer these. Oh, fish, my God. You know? Oh, my God. He yeah. also must have meticulously dried them off before putting them in the envelope because the envelope is, yeah. is nice and dry. It's, it's and also, I feel like he knows enough about Willow to know that would like hurt her because I feel like yes. fish are like a less personal pet. Like it wouldn't hurt everyone. Yeah, but Willow is a but sensitive Willow, soul, and he uh, knows. And this cut, this cut. Oh my god, it's got to be the best cut in the episode of just like from Willow being terrified to Willow sitting next to Buffy in bed. Thanks with for him. having me over, Buffy. <laughs> yes, it's so good. And I know that I t- last week I was like, Willow deserves a jingle, but I have to go to A camp, and we can't get it done. I can't make it through this episode. I have I forcefully said to Jenny, I, I'm sorry, we need to do it. We need to give Willow a jingle. She has earned it. She's earned it thrice over. I'm a prisoner in my own home, and here are the results. Who knows the square root of 1,225? Willow, who's gentle of heart and nimble with a hard drive? Willow, 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 Willow. Oh, wow. Great, great, great. Wow, wow, wow. What a thing. Okay, so question. Yes. Why does she go to... Bu- okay. 
I have a question and then some answers. Why does she go to Buffy's house? Why don't they go to Xander's house where Angel has never been invited inside? Right. Though, of course, the answer is there's no way to get Joyce out of the house. Buffy needs to be where Joyce is. They can't leave Joyce alone. She can't just leave Joyce. Exactly. I mean, I think that you just just worked through that live on air. (laughs) Ta-da. This conversation between um, Buffy and Willow in bed after we get through this hilarious opening moment is really important, too. Uh, Buffy has this line where she says, it's so weird. You know, my first instinct is still to always run to Angel. And it and it like brought to mind for me that this is a breakup. Yeah, but it's also like a death for for essentially, you know, Angel has died and 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 Angelus is in Angel's place. And Mm -hmm. this moment of where you forget and then you have to remember again is just so vivid and captured. And this is why the writing in this episode is just brilliant. Um, And then and then Willow has a line in this exchange as well, where she says, you're still the only thing he thinks about. And this is what we were talking about at the beginning of the episode. right? Right. That Angel is obsessed he's obsessed I mean I mean in whatever way that manifests right Buffy's explanation to Joyce is pretty spot on it's missing some details but he is off his hinges yeah speaking of yeah I was (laughs) gonna make the same transition speaking of being off of your hinges then we go to (laughs) Drusilla Drusilla has procured a succulent puppy for Spike it's named Sunshine Sunshine Uh, but he doesn't want to eat it he doesn't want to be fed like a child Drusilla I just like kind we of making to, an airplane yes, noise. Sort of. I was like, we can't not talk about the fact that not only is she trying to feed Spike a puppy, but that she's like, like you do for a baby. <laughs> yeah. Um, which is very important to note because then Angel walks in. Ugh. And what this is, a dick. I just have in all caps in my notes. Oh, in comes ableist Angel. Right? right. I mean, he's just like going so hard on the ableist jokes. That is like one of the biggest places where they are like, I know how to make Angel horrible. We'll mm-hmm. make him as horrible as you could ever be to Spike in a wheelchair, right? And he is making joke after joke. You know, oh, I should take you with me. I'd get a better parking space. Um, And then he he takes it, and this is when Spike loses it. He takes it to a place where he's essentially saying to Spike, would you like me to have sex with Drusilla for you? Oh, I maybe I already am. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't even know. You know, like, this is really something. And then Drusilla... It's, it's so into it. So into it. She... I love when boys fight over me. <laughs> but her moment of sheer joy is interrupted <laughs> before it really even gets off the it ground. It makes a girl. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. Just interrupted she... by her own vision. Interrupted by her vision. But it's she has, oh, this line that she says is beautiful. The air, it worries. I just yeah, love so that. Um, so she's getting this um, message from the ether, if, if uh-huh. you will. I will. That um, that someone is trying to mess up her, as she calls it, a happy home. I, she has an hey! interesting idea of what yeah. a happy home is. But uh, but yeah, that, that somebody is messing. And you know who's messing with it? Jenny Calendar. Jenny Calendar and her Italian friend. <laughs> because <laughs> is he Italian? He's definitely from New York. He's, I mean, I he, really... He's hawking Thessalon orbs in Sunnydale. Uh, I'm going to tell you something. There's a we talk about stereotypes on this show from time to time. As somebody who is half Italian and who has a lot of attachment to being Italian, I want to say that this show really does kind of skirt into the land of oh, it's a it's a guy and he's doing something under the table. It, he must be Italian, <laughs> right? It's all it's like right because we have Willie's bar, right? Willie's that, that, 
that guy was your neighbor on Long Island Absolutely. before he moved to and, now and then this is your Uncle Vinny. This is for sure my uncle running Vinny. the magic shop. 100%. Because all I was thinking about when, when this guy is talking, the shop guy, was like, oh my God, I wonder what his kids, his, I wonder what his Italian kids think of him, right? What a funny thing to have an Italian dad who's like a mobster, but like what his knowledge area is, is like magic, you know? It's just right. like very interesting. So I, I know that maybe I should be offended. My, my Italian sensibilities should be miffed, but instead I love it. I'm sorry. I oh just God. love it. I love the Italians uh, that do the underground. <laughs> I like Sunnydale's version of the mob, you know? Well. <laughs> anyway, so Jenny buys the Thessalon orb from this man. And on her way out of the shop, he's like, what are you going to use it for? And she's like, I'm going to get my friend a gift. And he's like, what kind of gift? And she's like, his soul. It's like, would you have that conversation with the Thessalon orb shopkeep? I don't know. I mean, it's a little guy, sensitive. The guy is like, but he does invite a certain yes confidant. Exactly. He. I feel like I would have talked to him. He just seemed like a guy you want to tell your secrets to yeah, before you yeah, leave. Totally. So I bought into that. I, I also just want to say before we uh, leave with Jenny and the orb of Thessala that I did enjoy this shop guy's rhetoric of like, you know, I, I'm sorry that I assumed that you weren't here for something serious, but at the end of the day, it's the Ouija boards that pay my rent so like right. he's like running he's this. a realist he right he's like I, I have to cater to the commercialization of my you know passion here right it's, right. it's what put my daughter into college <laughs> and on and on so right so jenny leaves with the orb of thessala the orb of thessala is very interesting it glows whenever whenever it feels like it and when, I, when it senses a dramatic moment <laughs> occurring yes. it's like oh i gotta go <laughs> It's like, mm, it seems like we might be able, right uh, about to go to commercial. I should glow. <laughs> uh, so, <laughs> so after it glows, we go to school. We go to school. Fashion fashion police here. Oh. Not, sorry, fashion police makes me sound like I'm going to be upset with Xander for his outfit. I am not. I am thrilled. Oh my God, this is my favorite outfit that Xander's ever worn. I yes. want that sweater. I want those pants. I want the whole thing. Plaid pants. Give it. A sweater with bright orange and green sleeves. It's, it's beautiful. I want to wear it myself. Xander, top outfit uh, to date. We'll see if you out outfit yourself in future episodes. Yeah. But for now, that's the one. That is the one. Can we give the sexual attention award to me and Xander's outfit? <laughs> no, you cannot put your... Se- I can't get in there? I don't know. It's breaking the fourth wall, Jenny. Okay, sorry, sorry, sorry. I don't sorry. know. We'll, we'll all think about it as we discuss. Are you ready to shop? Rakuten's Big Give Week is back. Get 15% back at hundreds of stores, and it's all happening this week, May 6th to May 13th. It's the perfect time to shop for everything on your list for spring and summer, like clothing, outdoor gear, and travel. I know I'm using this week to stock up on some warmer weather essentials at Ray-Ban and Ulta, and I love that Rakuten even helps me save on travel at sites like Hotels.com. Rakuten really is the best way to shop, and you can save even more by stacking cash back on top of deals. Plus, during Big Give Week, that cash back is bigger than ever. With Rakuten, membership is free. And when you sign up and shop today, you get an extra 10% cash back boost. That's an extra 10% cash back on top of the 15% cash back. You won't see higher cash back rates than these. Go to Rakuten.com or download the Rakuten app. R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Shoppers get it. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, 
Or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz and how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. Yes. Okay, so, Buffy... Well, Willow first sees Jenny Calendar booking it across campus, so and she's like, oh, man, I don't get to be the sub. And then Buffy runs over to her and is like, hey. And Jenny's like, huh? I love that moment. Yeah, yeah, it's so great. good. Yeah. So good. And then, right, they, they have this exchange that's very, very sweet. Oh, my gosh. Sweet. Oh, my gosh. And when she's like, he misses you. Yes. Uh, shout out to Robbie Lamort. Uh, amazing, teeny, teeny, tiny, the smallest smile that has ever played across anyone's yeah. face when Buffy says he misses you. Yeah. And then she, like, gets back straight-faced. Right. And this this sentiment of, like, because Buffy comes on strong, right? She's like, you feel bad? Good. Keep feeling bad. Yeah. Right? She doesn't, she's she's definitely not giving Jenny an inch in terms right. of. Like, I'm still super fucking, we are not okay, but right. but I want Giles but to I be happy. But I love my dad and I want ah. him to be happy. Oh, God. Whew, luckily, we come out of this emotional moment by seeing yet another beautiful uh, outfit worn by Cordelia. <laughs> She's got this great magenta jacket with this like yellow stripe on the collar. Oh I love it. I'm sorry. I'm I just, so glad you love it. I just I had a lot of fashion moments, and I, I know we don't. We're missing Kate. Kate, we miss you. Yes. We miss you so bad. The pain is real. <laughs> uh, Kate will be with us on the next episode that happens though, live from a camp. We'll right. talk about that more at the end. Anyhow, Cordelia's jacket is great. So this is the scene where they are de-angelifying. <laughs> Willow's room. Right. <laughs> uh, they're nailing up crosses. They've burned some herbs and sprinkled holy water and chanted some rhyming couplets. Yes, as you do. Cordelia. Cordelia. <laughs> are you aware there are no fish in your tank, Cordelia? <laughs> oh, and Willow's little squeak. Oh, God. My she's fish. so sad. And then, and then they're like, Cordelia, you can leave. And she's like, cool, I'll just turn to go. Oh, this must be for you. This must be. This, this letter in your room must be for you. Right. And what's weird is that it's not for Willow. It's for Buffy. Yeah, why would? If there's It's just questions. an interesting situation here. Convenience. But that's fine. It's okay. A, it's a good episode. So we'll it's a drawing this. of Joyce. And here is where I want to bring up something. Yes. My friend Molly Green is a woman from Louisiana who was raised in a classic Southern tradition uh-huh. to be a lady, right? And one of her lady traits <laughs> is that she has signature stationery that she uses for, for thank you notes and mm-hmm. how do you do notes and whatever. She uses the same stationery all the time. She right. like, picked a pattern wow. from Crane, and that's like what she always uses. Wow. What I want to draw attention to here is that Angel seems to have a similar thing going. He went somewhere and got some stationery, <laughs> this sort of like linen-y, natural colored paper that he loves to trifold and then put in a business-sized yes. envelope. Yes, it's very specific. I just... Want to draw attention to this? I mean, that you know, is Angel, he's doing a good job at being a weird a creep. creep. 
old yeah. vampire dude. That's mm. evil. That's all. Um, well, like, how long do you think he's had that specific stationary thing going on? Do you oh, think for, it predates? Yeah, I think him Drusilla. I think Drusilla back? got those same mm. notes. I yeah, think yeah, that's yeah. what we are to believe here. That that he has had that paper. He keeps it, you know, somewhere safe where the air cannot yellow it. Right, 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 right. Uh, Further. Yeah. Or or maybe, you know, it's just part of the underground commerce that they know. Oh, right. You've Vamp, got Vamp stationary. If you don't keep angels stationary and stuff, right. you're going to die. Right, so right, 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 right. That it, makes sense. Keep it coming. So um, we, we cut from the reveal of well, this drawing and to we, Joyce. And we cut from the reveal of this picture of Joyce with one word from Buffy. She just looks at it and says, Mom. And I think that that is very important and very powerful. It's just mm-hmm. drawing our attention to the fact that this is her mother. This is her family. This is her whole family, right? I mean, yeah, you know, she has a dad purposes. somewhere, but, yeah, but he's not in the he's not like in the picture. This is her. This is her everything when it comes to family. So Joyce's headlights come around the corner and pull into the driveway and illuminate. None other than Angelus. The crazy boyfriend. And oh, how he is. Such He plays. I mean, shout out to David Boreanaz in the scene. He nails this character. Yeah, of this like, unhinged ex-boyfriend mm-hmm. thing. Bruh. Yeah. Sh- you know, and, and Joyce. Huge shout out to Joyce, okay, for this moment. The first line out of her mouth, she told me she wants you to leave her alone. Yeah, She doesn't yeah. fucking hesitate. She's like, uh, that's my kid, so fuck off and step off, angel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not afraid of you, except she is. And he's got just like this rolling barrage of creepy lines. I need to be with her. Yes. You can convince her for me. She drops her bag of, of fruit and Angel is like picking it up. And this is, I think- Please a- note that the first thing he picks up just flies out of his hand off screen. Right. And, and this is, I'm, I'm sure this was not a, a meant to happen moment, which I think is really powerful. Like, I, I don't think that Angel was, I think the direction was, hey, David, you're going to put the oranges in the bag and be a creep about it. I think he yeah. dropped the orange and Christine Sutherland looks at it, realizes she's in danger. She can't go after the orange. The orange is inconsequential uh-huh, and she stays uh-huh. there. And I think that that was just, I mean, we may never know, but I think that that was just a moment that happened when this scene was, you know, being taken for whatever time and they kept this cut. Right, right, right. And it's right. brilliant. Then Joyce, too many art gallery keys, man. Too many. Too many art gallery keys. Also, Angel drops the bomb that he and Buffy made love. Right. Joyce is fumbling with all of her one million keys <laughs> and Angel delivers one of the most horrible lines of all time. Ever since the night that we made love he says. And I, I'm sorry, if I were Buffy I'd be like, he's unhinged. I was a lie. I feel like you could get away with it, you know? Like, yeah. I feel like, I feel like mom would maybe believe that this person who is obviously completely unhinged is just making up lies to like get to her. But she doesn't. And so it winds up that Joyce and Buffy have what Joyce refers to as the talk. Although I always thought the talk was where you learned what sex was. Not, not where... that somebody had already had sex. <laughs> right. And you're like, well, shit. Maybe there's uh, more than one talk. Maybe there is. Maybe. But this is, I mean, the scene between Joyce and Buffy with the sex, with the sex conversation is powerful in the same way that I think the dinner conversation was powerful. Yeah. Where Joyce can't know. And so Joyce is saying things to Buffy that like, could you have a sharper dagger than, you know, you should, I really thought you'd make a better decision. Oh, oh my God. Joyce, you don't know. Joyce, does, I mean, she doesn't. And she's just trying to be a good parent. And she's really, I mean, I think Joyce is doing a good job of like setting boundaries and, you know, saying I care, you know, no matter how much you shut me out. Because Joyce is suffering... Mm. 
this fate of being shut out by her teenage daughter, a common fate of parents of teenagers, but also, you know, so much more so because of Buffy's secret and the fact that Buffy can't tell her anything. So I think that Joyce does a decent job in this, but it's just a very difficult thing overall. And Buffy, if I were you, I would have said, like, he's crazy. I don't know what it means. I've never had sex in my whole life. Yeah, what Um, is sex? We didn't even have the talk yet. Right, right. I don't know how to do it. Okay, so Giles swings by the computer lab. He does. And this is another. uh, Jenny, I really like this moment for Jenny Calendar where, like, there's a lot going on. She's trying to restore (laughs) Angel's soul. She's trying to get back in Buffy's good graces. Trying to get back in Buffy's good graces. And the first thing she says is, she said, you missed me. (laughs) It's just really good. With just, like, the right delivery yeah she really she really does a good job in this moment and and i love the way giles responds well she's a meddlesome girl she's a meddlesome girl and they just have this really sweet moment and they're on the path to you know coming back together again and giles said jenny's like you know i have some things to take care of here i don't want to get you excited yet but i think i might have good news Mm -hmm. and giles says come by my house later huge deal this is a huge deal yeah. It's like impossible to talk about this like as though I don't know what happens. You know, yeah. I'm like, this is a great thing. And inside my heart is shattered into yeah, eight yeah, yeah. million pieces. Because of course, enter all ye who seek knowledge has foiled us. Angel is in the school. I mean, Angel's been in the school a thousand times, so we knew Angel could get in the school. Yeah, I mean, I have to imagine like a public school building. And this is probably a a building that cannot be protected then because every time you would cast the spell, the sign would still be there. Like if the sign is there, it probably just undoes the protection. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So um, Angel is the beautiful shot of of this reveal of Angel being in the room where Jenny has translated the text that she needs to make the Orb of Thessala work. Yeah, she begins to print out all of the text on her world's first printer <laughs> those printers shout out to those printers that had to be the where the paper had to be pulled up by its holes yeah to make it <laughs> to those make it were the days <laughs> i love that and then you'd have that satisfying fold where you'd fold the edges oh my god yeah do you remember the ones that had off? like light green stripes yes. alternating with white stripes yes, oh. of course just very i would i would love a printer <laughs> like that let nobody send me that printer to our PO box <laughs> please so, don't please, i don't actually want it uh <laughs> so the camera kind of focuses in on this printer and and it's out of focus as it pans up and the focus becomes on Angel. Right. And this is just like so this show, right? Mm-hmm. Like, here's some hope. Oh, my gosh. Things might be okay. No. You say that. No. You say that. No. I mean, yes. In in like arc of emotion, this is so this show. But in what happens, this is not this show. No, no. This is, this is way off the rails for this show where this goes. It's taking us for the first time to a place where we know no one is safe. Right. Yeah. Jenny Calendar is one of the Scooby gang. She's a core character. Up She's until in this love point. with Giles. She's in love with Giles. She is important to the overall plot line. We have gotten attached to her. And more importantly, as I said in the beginning, Giles has gotten attached to her and we are attached to Giles. Yeah. And this scene, now, to bring a little bit of, of beautiful glory into this horrible <laughs> scene, I just really want to say that if I were the actor playing Jenny Calendar, and I found out that I was being killed off. I would be very upset. However, if I learned that the last scene that I would get to film was going to be the classic, beautifully shot, 
girl running away from evil thing through the hallways. Yeah, forever and ever. I mean, you like I, I'm not I'm not an actor anymore. Uh, but if I could pick any kind of scene I would want to play, it would be this scene of and it's shot beautifully. Mm-hmm. She's running through the hallways, through the shadows. There's doors that are locked. There's doors that are open. It's just there's like a panic to the whole thing. It's, yeah, it's just beautifully done. And you think I mean, thinking back to watching this episode for the first time. You're like, she's going to get, of course she's going to get away. I mean, I cannot imagine being a viewer of the show oh my God. on first watch and having no idea what's about to happen because you really are just not, you don't think it's going to happen because it's mm-hmm. never happened before. And they take this scene, right? There's this one, there's a one one little silly moment. If we would, I just want to, baby, oh, you want to Oh, let me just run directly at this janitor cart, even though you are clearly telegraphing you're about... <laughs> To push just, it at me. I just think, wouldn't maybe, it be fun if I toppled over this janitor car before think, I kill you? Yeah, I just think maybe Angel's reflexes might get him over the janitor car. Just maybe. I just, yeah. just going to put that up. But whatever. The scene is a beautiful scene, and it ends at this gorgeous, like, window. They're framed oh, yeah. in the window. Um, and Angel... Somehow he has magically gotten ahead of her. I mean, he's a man. That's why, that's why the cart scene is a little silly. Right, right, right. Is because he's, he's quick. He's powerful. He's incredibly strong. He's one of the strongest vampires that exist. Mm-hmm. And he's up by this window. And he, he set this up in the beginning. Um, oh, you know what? We didn't, uh, something I want to talk about, too, is how do you throw a computer on the ground and make it start on fire? I just Is it something in 1990s computers that could make it start on fire? It's like a spark from the... It just seems very complicated. What I'd say is, like, while I don't have the logical explanation for how a huge desktop computer just magically catches on fire right. when you dump it on the ground, uh, what I will say is I didn't blink. I was like, of course that's what happens. Right, right. And, and, and so I bring it up because Angel, it does set Angel up for this very nice shot where he's like warming his hands over the fire. Right, right, right. After he has... After he's burned the the translation that Jenny right. smashed the orb. The orb smash is incredible. Trash the computer. It's a right. whole thing. He says he's killed two birds with one stone and then he looks up in vamp face and says and teacher makes three. Blah. And that's what I wanted to kind of bring into this scene by the window because he's so cavalier you know like he's just so calm so whatever he gets there and you just don't expect, I mean, you don't expect this. You expect Buffy, of course. Buffy is going to jump through something right. and get him and kill him and something. And she she doesn't. Nobody's there. And he just snaps her neck. He doesn't even. He doesn't even bite her. He doesn't even bite her. He just snaps her neck and drops her to the ground. And then we cut to what would have been a commercial and I just can't imagine. I mean, I've said it. We watched. Ugh. We had to watch this episode twice, and I hope you all are impressed with us or feel bad for us or something because it's it was just hard. very hard to watch. And um, I just couldn't imagine having been a part of this show when it was airing live. I just feel like everyone must have ran immediately to their computers and gone on like message boards and just. I mean, just sought out some sort of community. Like, can you believe that this has happened? But it has. The next thing that we see is Giles swinging by the Summers household to pick up his book so that he can go home and cast a de-invitation spell. Okay, first of all, everybody, do you think we could have gotten this done while it was still daylight? Things would be different. Also, you need to hand the book off? Giles works in the library where I assume there must be a Xerox machine, and if there's not, there's one in the teacher's lounge. Bro! Right. Get on your game. Right, right. But what are we Giles? doing? But you know why we need Giles to come pick up the book? <laughs> I do. So that we can have, and thank God, you know, I think that writers know they have just delivered a pretty crushing blow. Yeah. 
Um, they're about to deliver a way worse one. Screw you, writers. Um, <laughs> but before they do, they give us this moment of relief with Giles and Willow having this delightful exchange where Joyce has found out <laughs> about Buffy and Angel. And I'm just going to, I want to listen to this together because it's just too, too delightful. Oh, yeah, it went fine. Well, it went fine until Angel showed up and told Buffy's mom that he and Buffy had, well, you know, that they had, you know, you do know, right? Oh, yes, yes, sorry. Oh, good, because I just realized that being a librarian and all, he maybe didn't know. Oh, thank you, I, I got it. <laughs> it's just really, really Being fun. a librarian and all. Yeah. <laughs> so great. So we've already discussed Joyce and Buffy uh, talking about sex and Angel and all of that. And the scene that comes after this scene, my only notes for it are that I've written the word no about, I don't know, 20 times in my notebook. This is... I mean, I, this scene has to be one of the most devastating scenes in the series. It's so twisted. It's so upsetting. Early, early, early on in the podcast, I had tweeted something, and I used the gif of Giles smelling the rose. Not, I, like, hadn't put it together. I've only seen the series once up until mm-hmm. this point, um, and I just didn't think about it. And, like, 40 people replied. They were like, how dare you use this gif? <laughs> And now I understand. I remember. I just, it's, you know, so there's the rose on the doorway. He walks in. Obviously, everything is set up. Champagne on ice. Candles. Puccini. Yeah, a note trifolded that just says upstairs, candles leading up the the walk, or, uh, candles leading up the stairs, and he takes the bottle of wine and a glass up, and he's just so excited and in this way that's so sweet and so full of love, and you yeah. know, and we all know what's going to happen. Ugh. And he crests the staircase. And this is, I mean, this series deals with grief, I think, in the most brilliant ways, in the most truthful, horrific, accurate ways. We see Giles' face expectant, excited to see Jenny, to find Jenny. And then meet this shift. I mean, Anthony Stewart Head, this is brilliant acting on, on his part as well. The shift from that excitement to this horrific realization. And then the edit goes from that moment of realization right to just emptiness and shock. And we see the police lights outside. Mm-hmm. Um, it just captures these like stages of grief in, again, what is maybe 10 seconds? Maybe 10 seconds? Yeah. And then the police officer informs Giles he's going to need to come down to the station. Giles says, I need to make a phone call first. He calls Buffy to tell. Buffy, what's going on? And Angel? Angel makes a brief appearance to narrate during the police scene, I will say. Oh, yeah. we do, I just shout out to Angel. You know, Angel had a lot to do in this episode. Good busy guy. He had to draw charcoal. He had yeah. to skewer fish. He had to, you know, stock up on stationery. And he had to do a whole VO. The whole thing. Right, 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 the whole right, situation. Right. Um, but yeah, he, he makes this phone call, Giles does. And this is, you know, you just keep thinking like, okay, well, this is as sick and twisted as it could get. Right. And then it just keeps getting more sick and twisted because Angel is now, after setting up this elaborate thing, he has run, scurried over to Buffy's house because he knows that Giles will call them to tell them and he knows that they will be devastated and he wants to watch. He wants to watch this happen and he does. And we, 
the scenes through the dining room window, I think, are some of the more powerful yeah, moments that we get beautiful. in the series. And we've we've had a couple already. And this is another. Through the curtains, we see the phone call silently happen. Right. And we see two very different manifestations of, of grief and shock. Yes. And Buffy Buffy's and slides, Buffy slides down the wall and just sort of puts her head down. And Willow, dear God. So good at crying. Oh, this cry. It's like, how can a person make me feel so many feelings? Willow, just like in a half a second of a little squeak I just lose it with Mm -hmm. her Uh, and then wait wait what did Giles's phone call interrupt them doing? They are walking side by side in what appears to be just like laps around the bottom floor of the Summer's house. Just two ladies walking through the house side by side. Maybe they're casting. Maybe they're still casting. Maybe they're doing extra spells. Okay. That would be a thing that would make two ladies walk around sure, the house yes, together. Sure, yes, totally. But something that I wanted to talk about too in this like gr- – arc of grief, as I'll call it, because I think that, I mean, you've lost people in your life, Jenny. I've lost people in my life. And I think that there are very particular things that happen when you lose someone, when someone is lost, um, whether that person is close to you or not, if they're in your orbit, mm-hmm. um, there is the, there is the grief that you have, but then there is the coming together of the people closest to you. And the people that come together aren't even necessarily always the people that you see the most. It's just like all of a sudden, the people that matter the most are there and there's no word spoken and you're just doing what has to get done. And so the scene that happens right after this phone call shatters my heart because it's Cordelia and Xander in the car picking up Willow and Buffy to go over to Giles's house. I like have the chills even mm-hmm. talking about it mm-hmm. because I've been there too, you know, of just like you become a different person. Anything that has mattered to you up until that point, it disappears because you realize suddenly, I mean, we're human, so we like walk through the earth thinking that things are important and they're not. And it takes these moments to realize, oh, right, that isn't even the world. That isn't even the reality. Mm. This is the reality. This is what's important. And that's where they find themselves in this moment. They're in the car and they go to Giles's house together. And my heart, my heart, my heart. Yeah, but Giles is not there because he has already loaded up on weapons and exited quickly past one more charcoal drawing, this one of Jenny Callender, indicating that not only is Angel a convincing and talented artist, he's also pretty fast. Yeah, yeah, he's very he works quickly. Mm-hmm. Giles Wright has packed up all of his weapons. Xander and Cordelia have this, I think, a very fun little moment with the weapons where we learn that Giles <laughs> only keeps his like regular weapons at yeah. school, but he keeps his for company show off weapons at his own home. Right, right, right. right. Uh, but he's taken them all. And Xander, I think Xander has a really interesting little moment here because Xander does something that I think that uh, annoyed me on first watch, where he's mm-hmm. like, I, you know, he gives this like, I've been telling you people to kill him. And it's like, Xander, not now. But I watched the scene a little bit more closely this time and they really put a focus on Xander really aching for Giles right when he walks in and that arc really takes him to this place of where he's like fucking mad he's just so mad and it's another manifestation of grief right we don't say the right things all the time we get angry we say exactly what we're feeling and that's what Xander is doing like Mm -hmm. I fucking told you to kill this thing he's not thinking about Buffy's feelings he's not and what's remarkable is that Buffy's not thinking about Buffy's feelings either because as soon as Xander says that she says you're right yeah it's so intense I can't talk because I have too many body chills well this is a nice moment to transition to as we have a lot of body chills and feelings because we take all of our body chills and emotional uh, feelings over to the lair or whatever we're calling Spike's <laughs> the house. factory. And Spike and Drew and Angel are 
batting each other around lovers like, like they do. And, you know, Spike is like, you could have killed her. You're really pissing me off. And Angel's like, meh, meh, meh. And then. What? I'm sorry. What is Angel like? <laughs> meh, meh, meh. And then, <laughs> and then Angel is interrupted by a firebomb thrown <laughs> by Giles. Hell yeah. Hell Yes. Uh, the only thing sexier than librarian Giles is firebombing Giles. Yeah. He drops a firebomb down on them. Angel is immediately like, whoa, shit. And Drew and Spike are like, you better deal with this shit that you did. They help Angel not at all. Yeah. Especially Spike. Like, Drew almost gets involved and Spike grabs her and is like, don't get involved unless he tags you in. Uh, right. Unless he tags you in. Giles, meanwhile, is picking up a giant stick of fire that he's beating Angel over the head with. Yes, relentlessly. Relentlessly. This is great. Another of uh, another stage of grief, right? I mean, right, right, really right, right, being right. played out here for us. And Giles is having a pretty good time. He's doing good But then good things job. turn. Yes. And Angel gets him by the throat and he's like, you've had your fun. Right. Now it's time for... Buffy's fun! Uh, and then finally we get the moment that we thought was going to happen for Jenny, but now happens, yeah. thank God, for Giles. Buffy kicks Angel in the face so many times. So many times. This is a great fight scene. Giles falls. Knockout. Knockout for Giles. Oh. If you're keeping track. Uh, Giles is down. Um, and Buffy and Angel have this incredible fight scene. Oh, my God. On when the, they like, get up rafters, on that catwalk yeah. and she wraps a rope around him and, like, rings him like a bell. <laughs> Hell yeah. Bangs him to every side of the of the walkway. And then then something very interesting happens, which I think, you know, fits this theme of Angel being twisted and having a larger plan. Because she's kicking the shit out of him. Angel is laughing hysterically through yeah. the whole thing, not totally nonplussed. And then he says, You're gonna let your old man burn. And mm. Buffy has this moment of, oh shit. Giles looks down. Giles is surrounded by flames. And Angel, like, picks her up over the catwalk to drop her down to go get Giles. Like, it's not a fight move at all. At first at first watch, I thought, like, oh, he's, like, ta- like he's fighting, but he's not. He walks away. He's not in danger at all. He's not hurt at all. He's laughing hysterically. Oh, I mean, God. the fire is there, but it just seems like what's happening here is he's like, I still have more to do with you. I still want to play with you more. Go rescue your old man because I'm in power, right? Like, that's what this moment is, and it's terrifying. Oh, it's so twisted. Then Buffy gets Giles outside. And this... And he is... So mad. This moment between Giles and Buffy is another heart-wrenching moment and another really, for me, very accurate and very moving moment. Um, I had the experience of almost losing my mom. Uh, My mom, when I was 21, 22, um, she got really, really sick and without going into too much detail, was in ICU. We all said our goodbyes to her Um, and she somehow turned around and pulled out of it. And that's a very quick summary of a story that I'll probably pull out even larger in future episodes but for now what I want to talk about is the fact that at the time I was 21 22 and I was dating someone very seriously for the first time in my life and as I talked about with the Scoobies earlier she was there with me you know the people that are closest to you they just come they drop you drop everything and she was there for me when I was saying goodbye to my mom and I remember because I was dating her you know we were very emotionally close and we got in this horrible fight at my house just this horrible fight and we were screaming and screaming and screaming and I don't even know how it happened but somehow we wound up like on the ground like rolling around and it went from this moment of like screaming and rolling around to hysterical sobbing and it's a moment I'll never forget and it's a moment that is like paralleled here 
in exact the exact response happens between the two of them, right? Buffy, mm-hmm. I mean, Buffy knocks Buffy's a slayer, so she knocks Giles out. I didn't knock my girlfriend out. I didn't I didn't hit my girlfriend. Nobody panic. But you know, they they're fighting. She knocks she she hits Giles, and that hit that takes him down opens him up, right? It's like the anger mm-hmm. that he had and the anger that she had. She you almost died. I need you. You can't leave me. And suddenly they're there and they're grieving in the mm-hmm. alleyway. And it's just it's just beautiful and heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. And then we go to the cemetery for a rare daylight scene mm. in which Giles is laying flowers on Jenny's grave. Question. Yeah, call out. Her on... name is Yana Calderash. Why is why does her tombstone say Jenny Calendar? Right. This is an interesting choice um, because I think it would have also been, I mean, first of all, it would have been uh, accurate, but it also, I think, would have been more emotionally powerful for the headstone to have said her real name, right? Like, there's just so much more in that than us seeing Jenny Calendar. But yeah, it's probably just like a show shortcut. Like, we need to make sure that you know right, who this is. Right. But I don't know. I, mean, I guess at this point, they didn't understand the true depth of their audience and how much they would understand. Um, right, 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 right. But, um, but Angel the narrator is back. Right. But you know what else yeah. is here sonically? Uh, a beautiful piece oh, composed right. by Christoph Beck. Uh, called Remembering Jenny. You can hear Anthony Stewart Head singing the uhs, right? Mm-hmm. So listen for that. And also, it's important for us to note that that song was sampled by Ed Sheeran yeah. for the song A Fire Love. Ed Sheeran, a huge Buffy the Vampire Slayer fan. We just found this out because yeah. of this episode. So we're Ed, have we're our, ready for you. We're ready for you whenever, Ed. You want to come co-write a song with us yeah. anytime, man. Come on down. Anytime. So Angel, the narrator, is back and delivers, I think, a really important line for us. If we could live without passion, maybe we would find peace, but we'd be hollow. Woof. Woof, indeed. Uh, Something that I think is part of the human condition, right? Yeah. We struggle, we struggle, we struggle, we struggle. We want not to struggle. Mm -hmm. But without that, without the passion that causes those struggles, we would also lose, like, all of the beauty. Yeah. And we would be empty. Um, so we have to mourn, right? Yeah. We have to lose things that we love. And uh, and this, is, as we said in the beginning, this applies to everyone on the show, including Angel, even though he is soulless. Right, right. There is passion driving him. And Buffy. Yes. For her part, is telling Giles, I wasn't ready, but I'm ready now because I know that nothing is going to bring him back. And as she says that. Yes. We see a floppy disk. For those of you who don't know what a floppy disk pivotal. is. One of one of many moments in the 90s where a pivotal plot point hinged on a floppy disk. Yes. <laughs> we see the floppy disk that Jenny had saved mm-hmm. all of her uh, her translation work on. Right. Uh, in terms of getting Angel Soul back. Uh, fall off of the desk and down into a crack between the desk and like a filing cabinet or something. And seriously, if if you missed floppy disks because of when you were born... <laughs> That's how we used to store information. That Think of would... it like a hard drive. Yeah, like a teeny, 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 tiny hard drive. A flat drive. little hard drive that can hold about 187. One Word document. One, yeah, one, one Word document at a time. Um, but it, And it's important, too, I think, before we wrap up here, to just talk about the fact that what is on that floppy disk is the translation of this text that is used for the Orb of Thessala. And that is, like, an open thing, that what we've learned about the Orb of Thessala is that it will contain, it will pull someone's soul from the ether, mm-hmm. and it will contain it until... 
it is ready to be transferred. Because when we watched the scene uh, the second time, I was like, why isn't Jenny just reading the text? And then I sort of like listened a little bit more closely and it was like, oh, there's actually a lot to this ritual here. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's a lot that has to happen. And, And with all of that said, Jenny, we haven't awarded a sexual tension uh, award to anybody. So I wonder. I I already you, made you my nomination. You stand firm on your nomination. I think, I mean, I'm thinking through it. I'm thinking through it. There's some thruple moments, but we've already awarded it to the thruple. There's Sunshine the Puppy. That's mm. weird. So I think, yeah, I think I think we can give it to you. The Sexual Attention Award for the first time ever going to Jenny Owen Young's <gasps> and Xander Harris's orange and green sweater. Uh, and, and plaid pants. Oh, and ensemble. the whole ensemble. The whole, just take just take Xander out of it. Yes. As a pl- the, please the take Xander out of it for uh, you. Wow, this is so unexpected. I would like to thank <laughs> the Academy <laughs> and all of our listeners. I guess we'll finally know if the awards really come in the mail now. <laughs> <laughs> Hooray! Well, I think that about does it for this very sad, horribly sad, endlessly sad episode. And I think we did a good job bringing some levity to the situation, don't you? Yes, I do. So, I am still, remarkably, Jenny Owen Young's. Award-winning. Yes, award-winning <laughs> Jenny Owen Young's. And when I'm not watching Buffy, I'm usually writing songs and recording them. You can learn more about me at JennyOwenYoungs.com slash buffering. And you can give me a shout on Twitter at Jenny Owen Young's. Yes, you can give me a shout on Twitter at Kristen Nolene, K-R-I-S-T-I-N-N-O-E-L-I-N-E. You can also learn more about the work that I do with LGBTQ young people and their families over at my website, KristenNolene.com. Or you can find those resources directly at EveryoneIsGay.com or MyKidIsGay.com. Every time I listen to you spell your name, I think, and on this farm they had a Kristen. N-O-E-L-N-I-E-N-I didn't do it. It doesn't do anything. You know what my middle name inspires is just a reimagined version of Nolene. You got it. Nolene. 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 Okay. Great. So Buffering the Vampire Slayer is on Twitter and Facebook at BufferingCast, and you can always drop us an email at BufferingTheVampireSlayer at gmail.com. Yes, and there are many ways to support us. We are on Stitcher Premium these days, which is very exciting. You can get an ad-free experience of our podcast and also experience all the joys that Stitcher Premium brings. A lot of exclusives, comedy specials, uh, and soon, in the near future, we'll have exclusives over on Stitcher Premium as well. And the best part of this whole thing is that you can go to Stitcher Premium.com slash Buffy and use the code Buffy to get your first month free. So check that out. And um, if you're needing other ways, don't worry, there's more. You can go on over to our store, bufferingthevampireslayer.com, and click on shop, and you can find t-shirts and tank tops and enamel pins. They're very fun. And also, of course, there is always Patreon. You can find our Patreon page again by going to our website, bufferingthevampireslayer.com, and clicking on Patreon. We have such an incredible family growing over there. We now have a secret Facebook group for all of our patrons. Our $5 patrons get the songs every week as they come out. Our $10 patrons now get work tapes of those songs so the files that we create as we're working on the song sometimes they have different lyrics sometimes Mm. they have pieces that wind up in other songs it's Mm. a whole fun journey over there and you can find all about it over at patreon thank you for all of you who already support us it is the reason why we are continuing to grow this show praise thanks so much for listening till next time
Best content for kids is both entertaining and educational. And with Five for Five Trivia, not only do kids get to learn from each week's brand new theme, they also get to challenge themselves by playing trivia. A Parents Choice Foundation Silver Award winner, this fast paced trivia podcast is perfect for kids ages 6 to 12. It's released five times a week, so it's a quick addition to your daily routine and a fun challenge to get five out of five right on trivia topics like animal sounds, time travel, fictional ghosts, and underwater exploration. So get your high fives warmed up and check out Five for Five Trivia, available wherever you listen to podcasts. Podcasts. 